Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our, one of our lovely guest hosts, uh, Nora, and uh, we thought we'd have a conversation on mental health and managing change in the workplace. So obviously, in these trying times, uh, there's a lot of flux that's happening, uh, and people's mental health are strained. Uh, people are going back into the office. Some of them are staying virtually. Some of them are hired completely virtually. And there's all sorts of different remote, hybrid, in-person, and everything, plus a lot of like tech changes, uh, a lot of strategy changes with uh, and to deal with the whole COVID situation. Uh, but I'd love if we uh, kind of dove into and, and talked about a few things on um, the the topic of mental health and managing change in the workplace. So, so uh, Nora, I, I think if we can have a bit of a discussion on th- things like wellness, I, I know you have a, a, a way of kind of viewing it so that folks can um, kind of take a look at it and, and see if they can reflect a little bit of, of ha- ha- those parts and those pillars of their life and, and how uh, they might be able to manage it. So uh, what are your thoughts and, and what are your ways of helping with um, wellness? Thanks, Luki. Happy to be on um, and, and recording this um, this episode with you again after uh, quite a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, and, and this is a topic that's... Um, really become this past year dear to me and it wasn't before because I guess I just took (laughs) uh, life for granted like many people and then the (laughs) pandemic kind of threw us into a whole other world and reality so one of the things now as we um, well I'd say we're in the endemic you know post post COVID-19 and and starting to get back to um, going into the office and and starting to get back to real life a little bit or or, or how life was, um, is that there are some people who have experienced a lot of mental health, um, a lot of mental health issues and and problems as a result of the isolation and the uncertainty and just being alone during COVID-19. Many people had their loved ones affected by COVID-19. or not. And just, you know, in general, some people are experiencing mental health issues for a variety of reasons that I think, you know, um, as as we continue to become where, more aware about what mental health really means, um, sometimes there's that self-reflection and you recognize that, hey, maybe I actually am experiencing something and maybe I actually do have anxiety um, or whatever the case is. Um, So there are a lot of different ways on how you can kind of make sure that you are doing the best you can to manage um, your mental health and um, your overall well-being. And, you know, aside from trying to leverage all the resources you have available at work, so a lot of organizations, they have a ton of really good resources. Sometimes they have psychologists and um, that you can access through your benefits um, and and just a a wide variety of tools and training and, and, and just resources to uh, manage some mental health, your mental health. I like to bucket it as um, um, for, for different buckets to kind of focus on your wellness and overall well-being, um, which I think results in a, in a higher level of, of mental health. And I, I, and I think we can kind of bucket our wellness <clears throat> in a social bucket, uh, a physical bucket, a mental bucket, and a financial bucket. And these are kind of four areas that we can focus on to make sure that our overall well-being is as good as it can be. So from a social perspective, right, the 
the pandemic obviously impacted us socially greatly. You're either isolated all alone or you're isolated with the same people <laughs> day in and day out for years. So, you know, as human humans, we're social beings. So that need for social connection is there. And if you are still working from home and if you're still isolated, whether or not you feel it, you people are going to be impacted. So some of the ways that we can kind of make sure that we are um, addressing that social need is if, if you're not if you're not able to work from an office or work with people and you are a little bit isolated, make sure you, you, you take those conscious efforts to go out in your community and volunteer, get to know some people, talk um, with people through a class or a hobby. So really make that conscious effort if you aren't just organically socializing with people to make that conscious effort to go out and do that. If you're in an organization and, and you're new to the company because you got hired, let's say during the pandemic, and now you're back in the office and you don't really have a lot of connections and, and you're lacking from that social, a lot of companies have ERGs and a lot of people, unfortunately, overlook ERGs, but they're an excellent way to get to know people um, and to have more of a social interaction aside from just work. Um, from and the ERGs are... Uh, and employee resource groups exactly. and I know sometimes they go by different names in different uh, organizations but basically like oftentimes they'll be based on a, a cultural group or an eth ethnic group or, or uh, some sort of uh, shared interest uh, if you can give an example of, of some of the the uh, maybe the most active uh, ERGs that, that you see typically see yeah I I, I... Some of the most active ERGs I see are typically ERGs that um, promote diversity. So mm -hmm. DNI focused ERGs or ERGs for ethnic racial groups and allies, um, depending on the in industry you're in. If it's a male dominated industry, I can almost guarantee you will probably see an ERG for women um, and allies. Um, so those are some of the most common ERGs I've seen. I've also seen some ERGs um, that focus on people with diverse abilities. Um, those are some of the most common ERGs that I've personally experienced. I know from, from my own firsthand experience, when I was new in the organization, I joined two ERGs to okay. kind of test out the waters. And I fell in love with one and I stayed in one and, and I'm the co-chair of one right now. And it's been such an excellent opportunity to get to know people. I know people that have gotten hired within the organization, just being in an ERG and getting to uh, know certain leaders. Um, and I also know some people that have gotten tremendous exposure and just built really great connections through this ERG. So it's an excellent opportunity to join one, not only to, you know, work on your social well-being, um, but also I think it has a lot of career benefits and development opportunities as well. Yeah. And hopefully these are a lot of like-minded people where you share uh, something in common exactly. or whatever that, uh, that resource, I guess that you're sharing, whether it's uh, race, identity, ethnicity, or, or some sort of some commonality, then there's always something that, that connects all of you. So uh, I think that's great because uh, sometimes you're isolated. Sometimes you have friends and family and kind of a local support structure, but sometimes on the professional side, it might be a little more challenging. So it's great uh, for, for, those that that need kind of that that support and sometimes they don't necessarily have to be within the company too right so there might be uh meetups event brights even something like that professional associations that depending on the size of your company they it might not be big enough for for an erg right because ergs tend to be on, on larger companies or medium-sized companies smaller companies don't tend to have them at least uh I, I, well i'm not sure maybe that's the growing trend where even small companies have them yeah and you know if you're in a smaller company and there isn't an erg start an engagement team mm -hmm. 
right? Like smaller companies can have an engagement team and that way you can get to know people on a more personal basis. And also, like you said, plan those meetups, plan those mm -hmm. after work drinks, plan that, you know, soccer, uh, pick up soccer team <laughs> with your coworkers, right? Just, you know, find other ways to really um, start to build those social connections and start to exercise that social muscle a little bit more because we have been in our shell for, you know, a really long time and it's almost like we've we might have built the habit not to socialize as much and 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 as much as we don't think it might not affect us but humans are social beings right so it is important um and and it does contribute to our overall wellness another thing that you know i it really is important is that contributes to your wellness not just physically like is, is, is being well physically, but mm -hmm. it, it has two folds, right? It obviously helps your body, but it also helps your mind because of a lot of benefits like endorphins, um, you know, with the busy schedule, sometimes it's difficult to do. And, you know, sometimes what helps is at work, creating challenges with your coworkers. Um, for example, I know me and my team, we have something called the step challenge and it's, mm -hmm. you know, a, a, a specific um, time frame let's say three months and, and there's a challenge to reach, you know, 10,000 steps consecutively every single month. So things like that, um, I think might be beneficial to try to push people that don't necessarily have that um, exercise routine to get also physically fit and, and, and work on that for, for their wellness. Um, just looking at it from a holistic standpoint, we also have financial wellness. So a lot of times employers, and it, the unfortunate thing is, is that a lot of employees don't know this, but through your employer, if you do have a uh, pension plan, or if you do have some kind of a retirement savings or just savings plan through one of the, the bigger firms like Manulife or Sunlife, a lot of times there are um, resources for you, whether it's just online tools or whether it's connecting with an advisor to actually plan your finances. If you are focused on planning for retirement, or if you're just also focused on planning for savings and understanding the different types of investment options available to you. The unfortunate thing is, is that we find that a lot of employees aren't leveraging those resources because they just don't know it's available or it seems overwhelming to them. Use them because when you feel that you are secure and you have financial wellness, <laughs> that's a big piece of the puzzle for, sure. for your overall wellness. Um, and if you don't have that available at work, I would recommend seek it out. There's a ton of financial advisors um, that, that can help you kind of organize your finances. And then lastly, mental, right? So it's really what we try to tell our employees is really tune into yourself and try to understand what your triggers are and when you're specifically also getting a little burnt out. So really listen to your body and listen to your mood and your attitude, because that'll be a big teller on whether or not you need to take a step back and take a little bit of a break. So those are kind of the four buckets when we look at overall wellness, within organizations, those are kind of the four buckets that we try to look at, you know, how, how are people doing socially, physically, mentally, and financially? For sure. And I think that's a lot of uh, great guidance and insights where, and, and all of these are actually quite interrelated, right? Because if you have financial pressures, that's probably putting some social stress on you and you're probably significant other than their family, which is probably causing some physical challenges and, and obviously relating to mental and uh, increasing or helping and supporting any one of them could probably help with, with the other ones as well. So it's, uh, you don't have to tackle all four, uh, pick one, and, and then you can probably see the improvements in others. And I, I like what you mentioned about uh, the, the, the financial piece where, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't aware that, that uh, those uh, services were actually being provided 
provided through the through, through the providers because a lot of folks always want to uh, make more money, which is obviously the natural thing. But sometimes it's not about like how much money you make; it, it's how do you leverage and, and spend and 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 uh, budget and things like that. Um, because if you are always spending more than you make, well, you'll never have anything. But if you can, you always be stressed. <laughs> you always be stressed, exactly. And, and that financial will lead to social, will lead to physical and mental, right? So if you can get a little bit of that, where say, you know what, let's put a, a little bit aside or whatever we can manage. Can we um, reduce some expenses here or there or, or leverage these additional benefits or whatever? I think that would be a, a great resource. And, and um, yeah, for sure. There's a saying that I learned and, you know, I sometimes feel like, I wish I knew this earlier, but there's a <laughs> saying that says for every penny saved is a penny earned, <laughs> not to say that you shouldn't, you know, enjoy your life. But again, um, you know, when I joined my organization, I didn't even know that I could, you know, um, go on the portal and put in different scenarios of, you know, what my, my retirement might look like 30 years or 40 years down the line based on the percentage that I saved. So it's really about you kind of digging into that a little bit. And mm-hmm. if you don't know, ask your HR rep, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll probably know. And, and, and if they don't have that available, but enough people want that, then maybe there's an argument to bring somebody in sure. that administrates your benefits and your retirement savings for your employees. Um, so that's a little bit about, you know, making sure that you're okay from an overall wellness perspective. But there's another thing that I think a lot of, you know, employers are experiencing, but also employees because the pandemic kind of threw everything in flux and and it was a really big, there were a lot of changes as a result of the pandemic. And now I almost feel like a lot of technological um, changes and and a lot of organizations um, have just kind of um, fast-tracked change in a lot of different ways. And I think that's, that's through the pandemic as well. So um, from that affects our mental health, which is really change in the workplace. So we in HR always kind of take leaders through change management training to, to help them, you know, frame messages and communications on how to manage change. But I think it's also really important for just people and employees in, in general to understand, you know, how change affects a person, whether it's a big change or a small change and, and, and how your brain responds to change and what are some of the ways that you can kind of talk your way through it and manage that. Um, because ultimately, when somebody is faced through change, whether it's big or small, um, our brains respond to change as a physical threat. Uh, there have been studies that prove that. So obviously, there's levels on how big the change is, but your body actually responds to it as a physical threat. And you know, we like to think of, there's different models that explain that, but one of the models that we have and that we use often is called the SCARF model. And it kind of explains why our bodies uh, respond to change in the way it does. And the SCARF model says that there are um, five domains on how people think about change. One is status. So how has this change affected my status? Uh, The second one is certainty. You know, how has this change affected the certainty in my life or the certainty in my role or the organization? Uh, The third one is um, um, the, the third one is relatedness. So how has this change affected how people relate to me or how I can relate to people and and view them. Um, The fourth one is fairness. So is this change fair, (laughs) Um, ultimately? And then um, um, there there was another one that I missed, which is autonomy. So is this change going to take away the control and the autonomy that I have? That's huge for a lot of people. Um, So just kind of understanding the fact that, you know, if you are responding to change, 
taking a step back and understanding, well, why am I worried about this? Or why is this affecting me? Is it going to impact my status? Is it going to impact, you know, the certainty that I have in my day to day? Um, is it going to impact how people relate to me? Is it going to impact my autonomy? Or is it fair? And it's almost like, if you take a step back and walk yourself through it, and understand certain things about this change, you can kind of take yourself away from that threat response and take yourself into more of a flow response, kind of leaning into the change. So to give an example, if a person is going through uh, an organizational change um, and the company wants them to come back into the office and that's the organizational change, it's moving away from you know, remote to in office, that might affect somebody's autonomy. Right. And that might affect somebody's certainty because now I don't have the flexibility to kind of schedule my day how I want. And now I don't have the certainty that I'm going to come home on a certain time to go to the gym or to pick sure. up my kids or whatever. And it's almost like, well, how can we focus on making sure that that's not the case? Is your employer flexible enough so you can kind of build some certainty around your start and stop times? Right. Do you have the autonomy to maybe in work go to, for example, the gym? if that is what you want, or go to that doctor's appointment. So it's maybe not so focusing, this is what's being taken away, but focus on, well, can I still have those two things that I feel threatened about in this new state, mm -hmm. right? So those are different ways to kind of think about that. Um, so I think once a person is a little bit more aware on how their brain is processing it, the easier it is for somebody to think about, well, how can I lean into this and make it work for me? Um, and I know that 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 example of moving from remote to an office might seem small, but it is actually causing a lot of churn in organizations. So it's yep. not small at all uh, because of the impact it's had on people and it's the impacts that it's had on engagement and turnover in organizations. Yeah, I think that that's a great model. And, and I've, I've heard that before and, and putting it into the context and example uh, is definitely useful. And to your point about being a relatively small change, like it seems like uh, I'm just going back into the office. Well, but yeah, I mean, if we were used to doing something one way for like two and a half, almost three years, that sort of thing, then going back even to, to a new world, but that new world probably is not going to be the same as the old one, right? So all the routines are going to change and, and the culture is going to be slightly different. And then you still have to deal with the folks that uh, are uh, remote because it's it's probably not going to be 100% in person for a lot of companies. There's going to be this hybrid thing where, well, how, why are you online and, and I'm in here <laughs> and that, that sort of thing. So I think that's a, quite uh, an interesting uh, discussion. And then if it's just a matter of taking that challenge, um, this change, and then putting it through, okay, which one of these five things are activated or, or relevant or prioritized as part of this change? And then saying, okay, can we do something about that, right? Yeah. And then making the appropriate um, plans and, and, uh, and taking a look at all the different resources that you can have uh, for that. So, and is this something that, that really uh, employees do on their own or, or has been like a concerted effort for like managers and, and, uh, and employees to kind of work through this together. I imagine it's kind of on both sides that, that folks have to have to understand and deal with this. Yeah. You know, when we typically train on change, we, we do train the people leaders. So managers mm -hmm. to kind of manage that. But I always think that self-awareness is really important because unless you're self-aware, you're not going to be able to kind of manage things that you're going through. So sure. I almost also think that there's something to be said about, you know, um, having people that are actually going through that change kind of understand why they're feeling this way, mm -hmm. um, I think is important. But 
from a from a leader perspective or a manager perspective, I think it's important to be able to under identify these domains because based on that feedback or the comments that a person is giving you, you can then respond and kind of address things accordingly, right? Um, and 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 rather than perceive something that's super neutral and be surprised as to why the response is very negative, kind of actually actively listen to what's being told and say, okay, so I get it. So now they're they're uncomfortable with the uncertainty. I, as a leader, can't provide them with any certainty right now. Let me try to focus on creating certainty around our processes or creating certainty around our shared goals or creating certainty around the value that they bring, right? So, um, so I think it's important on both ends. Yeah, and I think it's important that the conversation happen because if, let's say, the, the manager puts a certain scenario through this model, they might come up with different things that are activated, whereas the uh, employee might prioritize certain other things. Is Actually, it, it, I have no issues with my status. I think it's going to change my uh, autonomy or this and exactly. that. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I didn't know. So then the, the solution that the manager supposedly came up with, well, isn't relating to the true problem that the, the employee is uh, kind of trying to raise in there. So I think those conversations are important. So yeah, yeah I think th th these are amazing uh, tips and, and, and good models where from, from a mental wellness perspective, uh, I mean, the four pillars, social, physical, financial, mental, they're, they're kind yes. of all self-reinforcing and helping each other out. And then uh, on dealing with change in the workplace, both for, for the managers out there, the people leaders out there, and for the employees to have a little bit of self-awareness because you can do it yourself. You don't have to wait for your boss to do it for you. <laughs> you, can, you can make suggestions and, and putting them through, through uh, the scarf where it's status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness, and then see which ones are, are kind of the, the triggers for you that you have to deal with and, and need to be adjusted as, as you deal with change in the workplace. So I think all of these are, are great, um, great models for, for folks to, to deal with uh, wellness and, and change in the workplace. So are there any other uh, parting words of, of wisdom that you'd wanna share in regards to those, these two topics? Um, just, you know, take time off as much as you need and monitor yourself. So mm -hmm. make sure that you're listening to your body and your mind and, and, and just kind of be, I'd say self-aware, yeah. um, is, is kind of the biggest piece of info or advice I give. Yeah. 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 And I think it's given uh, a lot of folks a good opportunity to have these conversations because uh, a lot of these things still happen pre-COVID, <laughs> right? But exactly. it, it, put, it put a big uh, magnifying glass on it because now it's really out in the open and it's really hitting people hard. So now these good conversations can, can happen and kind of take uh, uh, one step back to take two steps forward, so to speak. So hopefully uh, a lot of folks will be able to deal this in whatever the new world uh, brings to us. So thanks so much, Nora, for, for sharing your, your wisdom and your insights. And uh, hopefully we have you back for a future episode. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.